Dylan Globe is welcome back. It's, of course, time for a tippy tap. Tippy and tap 50. 50. And you know 50. we got to do something big for 50. You know, Murray, there was oh so long ago we were doing, I don't remember, maybe Columbo, maybe something else, but... Yeah, I believe it was our Columbo, Exercise and Vitality, which just so happens to be on Detroit local TV tonight, which has to be a, a good sign. Yes. But we talked about Battle of the Network Stars. Yes. And it just put it in our brains. What if we could get the Tippy Tap Stars <laughs> together? And then the stars aligned, Murray. Right. Well, we're always innovating, Griff. Most people, podcast, they're just happy to do whatever lame idea they come up with and keep churning it up exactly we if are we, always innovating never imitating if we didn't leave it up to our own devices sometimes we've already exhausted every single straight to dv dvd steven seagal movie yeah really because that's yeah well yeah if we stuck to the if we were truly going globus theater we'd be done people and then what we what would you do with your wednesday night exactly and so. sundays and sometimes thursdays and sometimes fridays <laughs> yeah, just whenever we put it out yeah. whenever so, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was – the other day, Griff, I was doing my katana training like I always do. Of course. Your with, katana training? Yes, with our weapons master, Jack Bedelaire. Of course. And he said, you know, did you ever tell Abra that there is a Magnum P.I. Murder, She Wrote crossover episode? And I went, what? I've never heard of that. And then I got to thinking, you know how, like – Marvel movies, it's all about alternate dimensions, bringing characters. Wait, are you telling me we're in an alternate dimension right now? No. Oh. But we are, it did bring up the idea of crossovers. Crossover episode, our crossover episode, as you brought up on the beginning of the episode. You mean a minute ago? I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I don't know. I'm tired. We just did, guys, that's why I'd be frank with you guys. We just did two hours on fucking Fist of the North Star. So we're exhausted. So we're going to be leaning on these guests we're going to have on yeah. really hard. Okay. Let them know. But, yeah, so Jack said, yeah, you know, it's, 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 I said, you tell Aubrey. I said, I'm going to tell her right now. And now we, we worked it out. We're going to do it. The East Coast, West Coast wars. Fuck, fuck the East Coast, West Coast rap wars of the 90s. Yeah. This is the East Coast, West Coast, West Coast tippy-tap wars. So I'm going to, without further ado, I'm going to announce the combatants in this episode. Oh, no. What, what the got? fuck? What is that? What is that? Nunchuck <laughs> non. Thank you, Albert. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, are you ready? In the blue corner. Hailing from Boston by way of the great white north of Alaska. He's the beast from the east. On your toes, he will not feast. He never saw Ferrari, he wouldn't fuck. He's our weapons master. Check. Badass. Battle <laughs> In the red corner. Hailing from Portland, Oregon. Where the streets are covered in shit and that's the way they like it. She's the best from the west. Has a lot to get off her chest. She's lucky that podcasts don't have a blood alcohol test. She's Abra Kadabra Jaggard. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to ramble. Um, well, thank you very much. I am currently covered in red wine that I spat all over my monitor. <laughs> so maybe let Jack maybe let Jack do some talking. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, bro, I don't want to put any pressure on you, but is Matt in the other room in case we might need him? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the while star- you're cleaning, yes. Matt could take over. Okay, first of all, let me let me just do a quick shout out to thank you that Matt is related to half the state of California, who apparently drove up the numbers on his episode. Good, because Callie doesn't love us. Good, That's true. Love. That's yeah. true. You're all, as far as I know, you're the only people from the West Coast who listen. So, yeah. hey, welcome California. That's right. <laughs> of course, we're big in England, Timberley Stadium. Timberley Stadium, of course. Amazing. So, guys, how the hell are you doing? Doing great. Can't wait. Uh, it's going to be a marathon uh, double feature here, and I'm excited. We we've got a long way to go. We got a lot of content to cover. We got a big. It feels like it was a bigger crossover for Magnum than it was for Jessica Fletcher. But you know, we'll, we'll obviously get into the weeds there. Um, right. But first, I think we got to ask because as, if you're not a if you're not a regular listener, and why aren't you? You probably know that Jack is our resident Magnum PI expert. Yes. And Aubra is our resident murder she wrote right. expert. We did it on our award winning series, Copping a Feel, where yes. we delve into the soul. Is this a true cop and a feel? Because it's both the cop and the yes, feel. Yes, we're yeah. copping two fields. We're handsy. Oh, we're just boy. grabbing them both hands. Yeah. Tag teaming here. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, you know, copping do field. So we delve into the minds of our guests. So we're going to be like mind melding with two people now. I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It. We're all going to be learning together. Right. Uh, I believe the most important question we got to do a crossover here because we got to know how Jack feels first off about Murder She Wrote. Do you have a history with Murder She Wrote, or is this kind of your first foray into it? Look, at my age, you watch whatever television you could find. So. Um, I do remember watching a few episodes now and then when I was a kid, but I'm certain that I have not watched a a single second of Murder, She Wrote in the last, like, 30 years. So uh, my big refresher is when I listened to Abra's Cop and Feel episode with you guys Mm -hmm. to actually remember what the show was kind of about. Uh, Other than that, I was going in pretty cold, so... Okay, and I'm sure if you listen to it more recently, it's like, Aubrey did such a good job painting that whole town, every fucking citizen around, and what stuck with me, and I'm wondering if you saw this in the episode, Aubrey put it in my head that Jessica Fletcher is like a Star Trek level uh, omnipotent being. She controls the universe around her. Did you get any of that feel from Jessica Fletcher throughout these two episodes? A little bit of it, I think the uh, the diluting factor there is that she's not at home. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's there in Hawaii. She's out of her element, but still, yes. she's you know like, oh yeah, I know the governor. Oh, I can mm-hmm. manipulate this person. I can manipulate that person. She relies so much on her like nice little old lady routine, yeah. but then. Five seconds later, she's got the knife out and she's like just slicing and dicing these people's alibis and stories. And so she still has her whole arsenal of, uh, you know, investigatory tools. Right. She's just, you know, in a place where uh, her name doesn't carry the kind of weight that it did. Back yeah. Then. She only knows the governor in this. episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> she only knows the governor. Right. Uh, Abra, how did you feel about her portrayal in this Magnum episode? 
I, I thought she was on character. Uh, the uh, out of nowhere gushiness of Pamela, the whole she's here is so fits into what Griffey is alluding to that she's the star of her universe, like a Truman show for, <laughs> for a sexy old lady. Oh, on the way Higgins, like, immediately oh. just pop wood as oh, soon as God. he laid eyes on her. He wants that so bad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought I thought they really wrote Jessica. I think she must be a lot of fun to write. Yeah. You know. That was oh yeah, shit. I forgot to look that up. I was curious, like, did they the writers actually get together or was it like Magnum writers wrote the Magnum episode, Murder She Wrote Murder, Murder. Because I'm these are like that, Yeah, know. in their separate bins, but also crossing over. So I that would have been well, that'd be if we did research, that would be great. Yeah, I meant to do, do that, that this morning, and I got fucking sidetracked. I'm back yeah, on the wagon. Exactly. They had a story supervisor worked out, flesh okay. it out, and then yeah, the the Magnum writer is just a Magnum writer guy, and or t- or two actually, I think in the end, and I've got the credits, and then the Murder She Wrote is just a, a standard TV person. There we go. I'll say, I'll say I was disappointed as far as I wanted it to be a true crossover where Jessica went to Hawaii, and then Magnum went to Maine. But we didn't get that. Oh, I would have loved that. Yeah. I like, thought... can you see, like, Magnum, like, those nut huggers, like, in, like, 30-degree weather, you know? With What's he going to do? With a boat yeah. sailor sweater. You know, the pink sweater, steel justice style <laughs> over his fucking, with the nut hugs. <laughs> yeah. That would have been perfect. This could have worked. I do uh, have a tiny little quibble, because a huge part... Of Murder, She Wrote, as she goes on little adventures. She does do a lot in Maine, as we've talked about it before, turning uh, Cabot Cove into the murder capital of the world. Yeah. Um, but she does go on these little adventures. Like, we're so in L.A. Look how L.A. we are. We're definitely not just on the back lot. Yeah, so she she does go out and do trips. But I would have loved that if he'd gone to Maine. Yeah. I that's thought that's great. what they were going at the end I, of the first episode. Yeah, into that was the second. Yeah, and, that kind of screw, that epilogue of the first episode. I think was meant to be of the entire like, yeah, thing. It was weird how so they it threw did me that. off. But I understand they did that because this is you got to remember this is back in the day of syndication where right. you're like, so some people who are ne- they maybe not even get Murder She Wrote, so right. they're going to be watching an episode going, "What the fuck did I just watch?" So no. now, Opera, what's your history with Magnum? All right, I have, yes, I have uh, no memory of uh, watching it. Apparently, I think I've told you guys before, these type of shows I tend to watch if my mother was lusting after the main dude, and apparently (laughs) she was not into that. Um, She was married to a tall, skinny guy, so maybe it didn't meet her fantasies. But I asked my friend Carrie, oh, where is it? Um for her take on Magnum, because I know she was a big Magnum head, and oh. she said, oh, she sent me a little poem. It was so beautiful. Oh, a poem, I'm too. trying to find it, it. Oh, I think I may have lost it, but it was, it was just like, what's... Here it is. Short shorts, red convertible, helicopter pilot, Dobermans, and the token black guy. Wow, thank like you. Haiku. Yeah, it's like, thank you, Carrie. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's something you take home with you at night. And once you're relaxing, you get really <laughs> relaxed, let's just say. Like, I could see that being a mantra you go over while you're going sure, over yourself. Sure. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, thank you, Carrie. But then I asked Mattford, dear Mattford, and his uh, mother, oh, dear. Um, I'm not sure I should get into this air. Let's just say Matt has never missed a Rutger Howard film. And it took him a while to realize why. <laughs> And they did not miss Rockford Files or Magnum P.I. when Mum was home. Oh, Mom was a big uh, yeah. Rutger fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite, yeah, she had a type. Bo Svensson and Rutger Hauer. I think she liked this. Bo Svensson. <laughs> so she must be a fan of Mania, Mania Killer. <laughs> yeah. Bo Svensson, Tuxedo, Red Shoes. Yeah, so yeah, part of Matt's childhood is suddenly like, why are we at this film? She's like, shh, shush, shush. Mommy's enjoying herself. Well, Brooker Howard's a very handsome man. He's a handsome man. But I'd like to know why why Jack, uh, what what about Magnum, if he could give us a quick, like, what is it makes him so great? Oh, man, you got to go back and listen to the other episode. (laughs) I did. I did. I have brain damage. Albert, this is your chance to tell us why you, as a new fucking uh, Magnum watcher, (laughs) liked Jack. We have your notes here. We know why. And yes. I get it. Jack. Um, I like Jack. Um, he is a snappy dresser. Uh, and every once in a while posts uh, pictures of himself in short shorts. So, you know, what's not to love about Jack? But, um, you know, what I liked about Magnum is it's, and I was ranting about this last night, it's so character driven. These characters feel real. These are These are real people they've thought through. They have great backstories. They're interconnected, complicated. I just love the way that it's all about their um their inner dynamic. Higgins can't stand Magnum, but he needs Magnum. And Magnum has these great friends he made in Vietnam, and they'll do anything for each other. And it's it's just such great chemistry. I, yeah, I, one of the glues for like '80s television of this time was the Vietnam War. You could always fall back to an old war buddy plot on like any of these shows. It didn't matter what it was, because even if the main characters were in Vietnam, they all they need is to have a buddy who was in Vietnam, who then has another buddy, you know, who was in the war with them. You know, it's like that old friend that you haven't seen since high school, who, you know, went to the war. He comes knocking on your door and he needs help because a guy he served with is in trouble. Like, it, it's just such easy low-hanging fruit but magnum just makes an entire fucking series out of it because yeah the dynamic between those three main guys plus higgins plus all the other little side characters like tanaka and ice pick like it just worked it is um and just set in the i hate using the term but it works for the 80s the exotic locale of hawaii um, which, you know, middle-class Americans, that was like, oh, the vacation we go to once every five years when we save up for it kind of thing. Uh, you know, women in bikinis and fast cars and gunfights and all that. Waterfalls. Shit. Yeah, Waterfalls. Uh, giant hotel rooms that are, like, bigger than my fucking apartment. If you we get, need to oh, discuss no. that. Oh, yes. <gasps> I think it's interesting, too, because it's just like all these people post-Vietnam War. They went and developed personalities post the war. Like, whenever I see a show that's, like, you know, supposed to be post-Iraq War or Middle East War or whatever, all those people are, like, jarheads first, 
boring ass live laugh love type you know like i just got married right. and now i sell insurance for a living boring drips but back in the you got you, your post vietnam characters they're all like yeah I, I hooked up with a fucking writer who's a billionaire he's got a place in uh hawaii and i watch it for him and drive his ferrari and fuck the women who come here like <laughs> That's how you fucking set up a show. I don't want to know about some guy who's faithful to his wife. I want a fucking Tom Selleck nut-hugging, free-flying with his best black friend, TC, across the fucking with the San Diego Padre mascot helicopter. I want that shit. I don't feel like we get anything like that. There's no imagination anymore. Everything is like, we need to make it real. Yeah, Nothing would be more perfect than it was in the Lost episode when Magnum oh, wakes yeah. up with his, uh, what is it, like the novelist agent yes. sometime fuck buddy who leaves in the tape recorder. Yeah. Like, with a little note and then leaves all the ingredients for that hangover post-fuckfest cure that he's supposed to blend together to drink. Like, no episode of television written in the last 30 years ever has a moment that comes close to how fucking awesome that like five minutes is it's yeah. just perfect character development perfect just this garnish that you, just, will, you will never find just that era this era lends itself so well to a throwaway scene and i don't think yeah. anything does throwaway scenes like this anymore just to be like yep this is the life he lives he does this Seinfeld Venture, Venture Brothers tries to do throwaway, and then the fans will turn it into a theorem about the show. <laughs> but that's the, it, Venture Brother fans uh, don't deserve Venture Brothers. That's they true. really don't. Oh, <laughs> Venture Brothers is the best. I didn't. Yeah. I've never gone and looked at fan theories or anything. I've only talked oh. to people like you guys. Please, in your it. mind, oh, like don't, that. Don't do it. Oh, they are. Oh, they're wrecks of human beings. <laughs> yeah, like I was at a I was at a Pusa show in Seattle and I was having the fucking best time. And they were just balls to the wall. Best band out of Seattle. Matt's gonna oh, he's not happy about that one. Shh. Baby's sleeping. Anyway, the point is I look left and I look right, and it's a sea of frat bros. And even though I'm having a really good time, I think if this was my fandom, I'd go kill myself. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> And there's times with venture, yeah. There's times with venture brothers fans where you're just like, "How do they keep writing for these people?" Oh, yeah. It's like Rick and Morty fans. It's the same. Oh yeah. Oh my god, they're ruining the show. Morty is a hilarious show, but every like I don't admit to people that I watch it and enjoy it because I don't. I don't want that pheromonal uh, attraction, you know, out in the air that'll drag in like yeah, humanity's worst example. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, staying by this weird bodega. We crash landed after selling one of our houses and. I walk in this bodega and I'm wearing a ween shirt or hat or something. I don't know why I'm wearing it. And uh, the guy spots the ween hat, decides I must be a fellow traveler, and starts telling me about Rick and Morty like he's trying to sell a new religion. And I'm just looking at him like, what the fuck is happening right now? Hey, Pickle Rick. Yeah. Like contemplating, pretending to faint or have a fit to get out of the conversation. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I cosplay as a Ricky Morty, Morty character each day of the week. Monday is Rick Day. Tuesday is Morty Day. 
Mr. Poopy Butthole. Wednesday is uh, Poopy Butthole Day. Mr. Poopy Butthole. Fourth day is uh, Vanessa or whatever name. I I don't know. We're lucky. We have the sexiest, smartest, greatest fans of all. So I have no problem talking with our fans. And uh, the proof's in the pudding because it's time to start this fucking episode because we got nine hours of content to do here, everybody. So, guys, of course, jump in whenever you want because, again, me and Murray are looking to take a nap here. (laughs) Oh, so we open this episode on the road, just driving Higgins of all people. Beautiful California countryside. Is this California? The- We're in Hawaii. Well, probably. Is, well, no, they probably filmed this in Hawaii. Did they film they? this in Hawaii, Jack? I think they do. I think. I mean, they have to. Like, like some of that stuff you can't fake. So, yeah. okay. Yes, it the was- entire the entire point is uh, Magnum is built on the foundation of the Hawaii Five O um, film sets and deals. Keep people hired. Yeah. Right. Great. And Cabot Cove. Not to mention how stupidly expensive it would be to bounce people back and forth across the Pacific Ocean. Right. That would be really expensive. Maybe they scene just do... to scene. Yeah. Hell yeah. Or maybe Pamela said, I'm not driving, flying to Hawaii for this scene. So Higgins, he's driving. He's, he's just came from the airport with two, uh, three cougars. Ooh. Mm. We got uh, Pam, who's an editor who's robin masters editor correct? oh that was the connection there's I'm, book I, connections I, I that's think. all i know yeah and... i think she was the editor at least of his early stuff i think okay. she says because yeah. she mentioned something about uh yeah it, helping him pick like a title for one of his early novels and then something about editing them so yes old literary career friend yeah, just, I wanted to ask you about this, Jack, because the title sounds sort of tawdry. So is is Robin writing smut? No, he's just <laughs> writing a lot of alliterative thriller titles. I mean, God, God help me. I've written alliterative uh, thriller titles like San Francisco love- Slaughter and Assault on Abbeville. And like, I love them. I, I, I hate myself for loving titles written like that. But <laughs> uh, they're they're fantastic. And I just, whenever they do stuff like that, whenever they mention here and there little bits of the Robin Masters, you know, uh, set of books and just his writing history, I really wish that someone back in the 80s had actually done what like they did with the Richard Castle, like that show Castle with uh, Nathan Fillion. Someone actually wrote a number of Richard Castle thrillers, Nikki Heat thrillers. They're out there. You can buy them right now. Meant to have been written by Richard Castle, the mystery writer character on Castle. I really wish that someone had just whipped it out and been like, fuck yeah, we just need to create a line of Robin Masters thrillers. I mean, God, back then people were just churning out shit sausage all the time. Someone could have done this. And all the Magnum fans would have bought it. I mean, it, it would have made so, any editors, any editors listening, contact Jack, whose last name I don't know how to pronounce. Let's get that deal going. It probably was a little too meta for the eighties, you know. Like now, it would definitely probably, probably, like no one would have bought into it because they've been who who would want to read this? Like everyone would have read Wonderful. because well, I mean, you'd have like random characters. Like there's one in the pilot. There's some uh, watchman on the naval base who's reading a Robin Masters thriller, nice. like as he's sitting there doing his guard duty, and like Magnum comments on it. So it's like, yeah, they're everywhere throughout the 
the series. So. Well, my Did we even find out opportunity. Is, is this a business or pleasure trip for Pamela, Joan, and Amy? Why Sounds are like they, it was a pleasure trip. So they're just going to hang out with Robin Masters? Uh, I they think that's close. it, because he was supposed to be flying in from Greece. Yeah, he was supposed mentioned. to be flying in. They were supposed to be staying at a hotel. And that's what we'll unravel here in a minute. And then Higgins was like, oh, no, you must stay at the estate. Uh, right, because of the events that are about to happen. Yeah. Because as they're driving along the road and they're just having a good old time. Well, we, let's see, we got Pamela. Pamela's there. We got Joan. Joan, who ha- is who, a She's a sister. widow, and you know what they say about widows, guys. And it's Pamela's sister. Hot to trot is what they say about And this widows. is, of course, the uh, illustrious... Jessica Walters. Of course. If you got a hot um, older lady, you got to get Jessica Walters for the world. And she's only like 40 in this, but they've dressed yeah. her to look like she was 60. She's yeah. well, that's, golden. Yeah. In the 80s, you were sexless once you became 40. Okay. That was to say. You'd stop fucking after 40. Okay. That explains it. I, I have a pet theory. As you know, um, babe, is it Meg Ryan or Goldie Hawn? He is not listening to me. Um, there's famously an actress that no one could be more blonde than her on set. And I'm pretty sure that no one could be better dressed than Jessica. So any woman in this has got to be look looks like a Sears mannequin. Right. <laughs> and then we have Amy, who's Joan's secretary. Right. And she's reading my favorite Robin Master story, Sad Sack in San Francisco. Okay. Okay. All right, they're driving. And then a car, a truck, starts like uh, going to pass. I think it's going to pass because they're on this winding kind of road on a hill, a cliffside, if you will. Yeah, cliffside. Not enough cliffsides in uh, TVs and movies anymore. Yeah, I when I'm driving the roads in Michigan, I'm always saying not enough cliffsides right. here. Yeah. Yeah. So it becomes clear they're trying to run them off the road, but of course you got Higgins, who master driver. He's ex CIA or British no. intelligence. Yeah, British yeah. intelligence. Okay, I'm close enough. Same yes. thing, one to one. Yes. British and- military intelligence. They take uh, the Bam. guy. B- they barely survive. They go off. They're like hanging off the precipice of this hill, and they're like, "Wow, I guess that guy tried to kill us." <laughs> yeah. So and now we know this is this is going to be the mystery, right? They collect themselves. They're assuming someone's out to murder somebody in the vehicle. There's four people there. Four people of notoriety. Well, three right. people of notoriety. One very dangerous man, as he will tell us all throughout these episodes. Yeah, because Higgins is convinced. It's got to be me. All right. They're after me. We'll get into uh, yeah. motivations behind characters because <laughs> there's actually a lot of motivation to this whole episode. Right. It's, and now, hey, look, we've spent five minutes with these drips. We need Magnum. We need nut huggers. Right. We need the tiny. We need the... short shorts. When does <laughs> short, where does it become shorts? What's the difference, difference between <laughs> shorts and hot pants? When do you, where do you get? What's the. Uh... Yeah, the Daisy Duke theorem. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the proximity to the to the buttock thigh cleft along the back. If you can squat and actually see cheek, okay, okay. I think those are hot pants. And if you can't, I think they're just short shorts. I believe... That's how I'm going to define that. I think then I would then the, the, then the, then define what Magnum is wearing. Is he wearing shorts? Well, Murray, yeah, they're shorts. I, okay, I'm okay. wearing the five inch inseam shorts right now that Magnum is what? wearing. He's just what? like eight inches taller than I am, so they look a lot shorter. On him. I believe on my the... stumpy little legs, they just look like <laughs> appropriate length shorts for my. For it's my 
all about the golden ratio. And yeah. just like uh, Jack said, from the cleft of the butthole or whatever he said. <laughs> cleft of the butthole. <laughs> yeah. uh, from where the cheek meets the back of the thigh. You got, uh, you got to do the on. golden ratio, and it's supposed to hit right in that, the the, the leg meeting, you know, the, the sh- bottom of the shorts. So okay. it's got to follow the golden ratio. And it's re- very hard to find the shorts that hit that ratio. But as we know... He's working for Robin Masters, so he's got the right stuff. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> All throughout this episode, Auburn will be sending us various pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yes, those are shorts. Those, those are not pants. Those are those are perfect shorts. So he's wearing shorts. I think he's got like a tank top. I think he's like just the, barely contain all that glorious chest hair that Tom Selleck has. He's looking good, right? And we got an rip- absolute pelt. It's ridiculous, right? He's he's like he's like teasing it with a fro pick. That's how. And we got is. Rick there looking like an '80s drug dealer, pillowy <laughs> pants, cinched at the waist with a tight belt, and then a pillowy shirt with like one button or two done. Right. He's got that perfect '80s hair, just kind of hanging out there. <laughs> Feathered hair, yeah. Feathered, yes. Thank you. And he's Although begging... we need to discuss the fact that Magnum's hair in these two episodes look awful. It's absolutely oh, I, didn't I cannot know. look away because it forms this weird like triangle on his head between the sort of widow's peak that he's got and the way it feathers out over the top of his ears. It just oh my god, I can't I can't I it just makes me cringe every time. I didn't realize because of it. Yeah, I, I have to agree with Jack. The the toupee or whatever it is, hairpiece in the second in the in the actual murder she wrote is it's just it's bad. I it's didn't realize we were becoming a geometry podcast because we're talking golden ratios. We're talking perfect triangles with his hair. All I know is I'm glad they agree with me. You don't want the hair touching the ears. That's uh-uh. did they uh-uh. say the hair was touching the ears yet? They said oh yeah, that. yeah, yeah. All, all it's over like the little ears. wings over the top half of his ear. Yeah. It just looks hate it. Uh, well, I will compliment his mustache. Perfect rhombus. Yeah, you know, I you know I despise mustaches, but Tom Selleck pulls it off. I can't, I yeah. can't, you know, argue it. So he's got a poor triangle, the golden ratio shorts. Crotch, Maybe he's left. leaning so hard on the mustache he thought he could get away with the hair. Yeah, that's got to be it because yeah. he's got the rhombus. He's got right. the rhomb lip, if you will. It's called the chevron. He's got the, like chevron? the chevron mustache. Chevron yeah. mustache. Okay. Wow. One so, paragraph. <laughs> yeah, so. We told you get the catheters out, people. Catheters. That's now, why it's split in two episodes. Yeah. Now, uh, Rick always, as we learned from our previous Magnum cap in the field, Rick has always got to get a rich quick scheme. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And he's got the best one. He's like, I got this hot land deal. These people are going to want to build uh, hotels. We're going to buy an acre of land. Right. And he's like, we need ten grand. Every like TC is already in it. We need your ten grand. That's it. All we needed is thirty grand. We're starting up this investment. Get aboard now, or you're gonna lose out, Magnum. Magnum. So- Jack, Jack, how did Rick and TC get rich? Like, why do they have money and Magnum doesn't? Oh, so so Rick manages uh, a club, like a very swanky, the King Kamehameha Club, right? Um, and so he is a legitimate businessman in that regard. TC owns Island Hopper's Air, which is basically just him and his helicopter. But they both have, you know, legitimate jobs as opposed to Magnum, who, as Higgins points out at every opportunity, is just a bum. I mean, Magnum lives case to case, uh, you know, cash in hand to cash in hand. And then and it's a running joke across. I mean, here we are, what, seven seasons in and there's still... Pretty much just making fun of Magnum for never having any money. 
um, and always bumming money off of them. Like Rick being like, oh, God, okay, I will front you your third of the money because you can't get a loan. I mean, it's just a running joke that he's constantly getting Rick and TC to do him favors, loan him money. Oh, I'm not liquid right now. Can you, you know, help me out? Blah, blah, blah. It's like for a guy who lives free on the swankiest estate in Hawaii, what's he spending money on? I have to ask, or, or he's not charging a hell of a lot for his cases because he never has any cash. But yeah, so the two of them, you know, legitimate businessmen, Magnum is a bum with a gun, basically. Yeah, probably spending big money Magnum on Magnum is a lovable loser is what Yeah, it is. yeah. Yeah, he's a schlub. <laughs> a well-dressed hobo. Yeah, Matford, Matford, dear Matford says that he's just a, a free spirit. He's, yeah. he's in paradise. He sleeps with beautiful women. Yeah. Uh, he can apparently drive a car while eating ice cream, which uh, we argued uh, about for 10 minutes. We'll get to that. I um, think Emmanuel he did that in our last episode, too, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of Magnum's thing, eating ice cream while driving a stick shift. Yeah. Maybe that's his that's one skill. skill. Yeah. All right. So right, we got this real estate scam. And like, was there a mention like Magnum has like, I have to like show a deed. What the deed to what Magnum? Yeah. You don't own anything. Right. Well, it exactly. Was... That's the problem is that he's trying to get a loan from the bank, but he has no collateral. And right. so the, the bank is just constantly pestering him for anything yeah. that he can put up to front the money. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Throughout... This is a stupid plot. And it's basically just there to allow for Rick and TC to be in the episode. I mean, that's really, the only yeah, reason it exists. Yeah. They don't it really is. really do any... There's like one phone call later on that has any bearing on the plot. Right. Um, but I mean, you know, that's the nature of having like multiple secondary characters who show up in every episode. You well, have to find something for them to do. Isn't Rick the door into when he needs to go into the underworld and talk to Icepick and... yeah. And TC has a chop. So, yeah, so they're they're just kind of show you like the give and take that there is between Magnum successfully doing his job of a private investigator and what he has to give back. He has to be a friend. He has to pretend that he has money to help go on investments in order to later sucker them into information. Like there's a give and take here. Yeah. It, it's right. a perfect ecosystem. So Higgins <laughs> shows up with the three ladies. Yeah. He insisted they stay at his at the estate instead of their hotel. Right. Because of course somebody is after them. So, you know, he needs to keep them safe here. Pam, who my, frankly is the gets on my nerves in this uh episode. Pam is the worst, yes. She insists the accident was a murder attempt. It has to be. She needs to rush off and go call the cops immediately. Joan, Jessica Walters, immediately zeroes in on the short shorts. She's like, I don't give a fuck what's going on. This is, <laughs> this is exactly what we need out of Jessica Walters. Right. That's, oh, yeah. right, that's why you hire Jessica Walters. Exactly. She's a hot older lady. Exactly. Yeah. Does a fantastic She's doing a great job, job of it. Yeah. So uh, Magnum goes, takes Higgins aside. And he's like, look, I'm super busy. I got, I, I got land deals going on. I know what you're trying to do here. I'm not. I'm not available. I got this land deal. I got to go get 10K. I got to go talk to the bank. I got to give them my collateral. Of course, Higgins is laughing under his breath. Right. Uh, but yeah, Higgins like, what Higgins is, like, what my dear boy, about? we don't need you. Yeah. We had someone coming in from the mainland. And you can immediately see the hurt look on Magnum's face. We even get to see some uh, like voiceovers of Magnum just kind of like thinking to himself where he's like, 
of course Higgins is trying to pull reverse psychology on me. Yeah, just like my old my aunt used to do. Just like my yeah, aunt, yeah it always has some old folky tale, doesn't it? Like right. yeah. he's like he really needs my help, but he you know he's just messing with me. Right. So he goes to his room to pack, get get ready, get get his best short shorts for this business meeting. Yes. He's, he's, he's like dressed like such a slob for a business meeting. I know short shorts and a shirt buttoned all the way down to his navel. <laughs> I just love it because his suit bag, a uh, suitcase, obviously is the tiniest thing because his shorts are so small. Right. Of course, they fit that golden it's ratio. Just, he only uses a fanny pack for his outfit. Yeah, that's yeah. true. He could just pop, probably pop it all in a fanny pack. So he's getting ready to pack to go to Maui for this big meeting. And uh, he just apparently turned the shower off or something because then Joan barges in. Sprawls out on the bed. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I dropped a couple of screenshots from this moment on Twitter because it's nice. She just pours on the gas and it's hilarious. Like there's not a ounce of subtlety. In the yeah. way she vamps it up for him. And he yeah. just does not know what to do with it whatsoever. <laughs> Which I think is ageist of Magnum, frankly. She's only four years older than he is. And, right. um, you know. uh, yeah, it's, I mean... it's, not, it's not necessarily the age. You know, it might be that it's not, so, not the right time to bag the girl. Um, maybe it's too strong. I don't know. I, I feel well, like I this... think, yeah, that's six. I think Magnum's used to doing putting the moves no, on women. Come on, think well, about that's the this. thing. He always, it, it, it's the show goes one of either ways. Either the women come after him and he's totally on his back heel the entire time, or oh. some young thing shows up and he just dogs her like the entire episode. So it's like there's never a good balance between <laughs> the attraction there. It's, I, I just feel bad. I, feel I bad. thought this was kind of like a bros before hoes situation. He's trying to go to Maui to Yeah, but you always got time to fuck, Graf. I mean, come on. Oh, so, just flirt. I, like, would, I would have been totally like, let's go right now. Maybe yeah, pour a little sugar on it. That's, that's yeah, all you yeah. need to do. Maybe <laughs> helicopter the woman before you walk out or something. You know? just, no, that's, yeah. that's, that's funny because later would we see, I don't spoilers for the murder she wrote, where she tries to get it on with a guy with big hands, is that maybe he's feeling condescended to, that she just thinks the help are there for, you know, yeah. servicing I her. I think you're right about that. Clearly. <laughs> and so she's like, yeah, I think I could use someone to guard my body right now, if you know what I mean, until until the real uh, uh, private eye shows up. Yeah. And, and Joan's feeding her this story that, oh, no, it's like Pam actually changed her mind and wants you know wants right. you to help help out and figure out what's going on. Right. So I think, that, I think that's what threw ice water on his boner, because she's like, like you're the, the stopgap until the real private eye show. Because that's, yeah. that's the whole thing throughout this uh, uh, episode, and I love it, how insecure Magnum is about Jessica, like, showing yeah. up. Like, he's always worried. Like he's Because like, that's all he's got is his detective skills. Yeah. So, well, you know. The running commentary from him throughout the series that people refer to him as private eye, and he always uh, corrects them and says, private investigator. So oh. he hates this idea that he's... <laughs> Despite the fact that he's a bum with no formal residence and just very shaky income stream, uh, he always is like, no, I'm a private investigator. I'm a professional. Despite the fact that he just tucks his gun in the back of his short shorts. I and... hated that. Oh, that oh, made yeah. me so mad. 
despite the fact that he's going to a business meeting in short shorts and his shirt with one button to button. Okay. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he always looks like he just slept on the beach, and yet he's like, no, I'm a... You I'm can a follow NRA safety guides. There are bras built to hold guns. You, you can oh, have a holster. <laughs> and, and the thing is, he's got a, he clearly has like a permit for it. It's a legitimate thing. And like, yeah, you're not some like criminal who needs to ditch your piece and not have a holster like buckled to your pants. Like you could, anyhow, I could go have <laughs> at some point. So as you right. said, Magnum is a bard by the fact that he is the stand-in. He right. wants to be, he wants everybody to come beg him to right, take the Because that's job. his thing. He's the private investigator of the group. But he's also looking for an excuse to get out of the Maui thing. Yes. But he needs a strong appeal. Right. And he's not getting it. So he's just like, no, sorry, lady. I got to go on this. I go to Maui. So he goes out. He's like, Higgins, I... If you need me, I know, dear boy, go. TC's Choppa's just landed right on the estate. And again, Magnum is throwing his arm, twisting it behind his back, <laughs> forcing it on Higgins. He's like, you're twisting my arm. What do you want? Do you want me to stay or not? And Higgins is pushing him. <laughs> go, my boy. I don't want you. Go to Maui, which apparently is a theme that keeps popping up in this episode. Everybody says... Magnum, go to Maui. (laughs) So he shows, he goes up to Rick and them. He's like, I'm still working on my side of the deal. You know, maybe, maybe I could borrow some money from you guys, you know? And they're like giving us some shit about that. And while they're saying that, the Ferrari just fucking peels out down the driveway. Right. And they're like, what, what the hell's going on with that? Well, it just so happens that Magnum's intuition pops up, and also he secretly wants to stay here because he can't get the money and doesn't have the money. And he's probably pissed off someone's driving, in his mind, his Ferrari. You're right. I forgot that that's Magnum's Ferrari. Right. And I don't know, maybe... So he's like, you know, he's like, guys, like, I'll get the money, but I got to help Higgins. He needs me. So right. can we just follow the Ferrari and see what's going on? In TC's helicopter. Yes. Does anyone talk about the logistics of flying a helicopter at low altitude? Yeah, can you fly anywhere you want? Pre-9-11, maybe you could. I don't know. I don't I actually wondered what the laws were like in Hawaii that you can just take a helicopter down the highway. I actually had this Venture Brothers style kind of conversation in my head like, yeah, we're going to need to talk you down now. You know, like the the flight people, like air traffic control going, "Um, what the hell are you doing? I can only imagine that being a chain of islands and that, you know, kind of like up in Alaska where you would just oftentimes charter a plane to take you from like one village to another because, it, you know, it's a 15 minute flight as opposed to driving for like three hours. I, I can only imagine that it's similar maybe in Hawaii when it's like, well, in order to get from this island to that island, it's, you know, a 20 minute chopper ride or, you know, a couple yeah. hours on a boat. So people are just used to it. They're just used to helicopters constantly zipping around. Although the fact that he's like, yeah, uh, sit it down, TC. You're like, sit, sit it down where? You're in the middle of downtown. Like, like That's what kind of struck me is like, where is he supposed to land this thing? And I think he lands it like on the roof of some random yeah, well, You know, every, every Hawaiian building has a helipad. Yeah. 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 That was the yeah. part that I kind of laughed at. I'm like, uh, you're gonna hop out and, like the you know rooftop doors locked. What are you gonna do? Like it's absurd. 
So but you, you uh, have to, yeah, you have to have permission. Yet here in Portland, we are ruled by like two or three billionaires, and Paul Allen's helicopters are so iconic. Like we knew exactly where and when he was at any given time. You'd be downtown and go, "Oh, Paul Allen is eating at the the the, the Hilton or whatever," because there was his freaking helicopter on his private helipad. But TC must have some secret access code. I'm done. Uh, yeah, he's a cool black guy in Hawaii. <laughs> That's it. That's the code. He teaches kids soccer or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I remember that one. Uh, so, yeah, so Amy stops at this office building. And like you said, Magnum's like, let's, let's land on the roof. Yeah, just land there. Maybe it'll hold the helicopter up. I don't know. He's got his PI badge and he's got a gun to flash at somebody. I was just to hoping they would just have one of those like rope ladders and Magnum would just climb up. Dude, that would have been, or yeah. even better, parachute. Oh, that would be really nice. That would have been really cool. And so while this is all going on, we've got voiceover of uh, Magnum, and he's still going through the motions. He's like, am I being reverse psychology into this, or is it just that I don't want to go to Maui because I don't have the money? So he's telling the audience without telling the audience exactly his motivation. So Amy goes into the office, and she comes out like 10 minutes later. Yeah. And there's a creep waiting outside for her. I love this because we get to see magnum uh trying to hide in broad daylight and how does he do it how do you disguise yourself in broad daylight you eat a fucking hot dog and he yeah. sucks down that dog the last thing you'd expect yeah so. do we want to give a star rating out of 10 on uh tom Selleck's hot dog eating ability here 10 i don't know jack <laughs> Griff, I, I don't really agree with the holding it vertical uh, hot okay. dog eating style. Okay. You really need to keep it a little more horizontal. Otherwise, mm. clearly there's not enough going on in that hot dog to make it worth your while. So I, I'm going to give it like a three out of ten. Three out of ten. My, my two fast notes are, first of all, I love how good the featured extra in the background. She's really making a meal of getting her mustard. And I really appreciate that woman. She's just like, ah, this might be my big chance. And then secondly, I have a pet theory that Thomas Selleck is always on a diet. So every time you see him eat on screen, he's probably like begged them to write in carbohydrate. Oh, like, please, please let me have sugar. I'm so hungry. <laughs> this was a very important scene, but what I didn't get, Aubrey, your star rating. <laughs> Um, eight, uh, 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 six out of ten. <laughs> Great. I don't even remember. So zero out of ten for me. Oh, Let's go on. Yeah, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I was just going with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tim, yeah. side note, Tim, someday you need to have a contest to see who has the worst attention span, me or Griff, and I think it'll be like down to nanometers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so Amy, she's confronted by this creep. He's like, hey, miss. She just leaps in the Ferrari, peels out. That's what you okay. do in your Ferrari. So, so what happens is she goes into the building and yeah. right out of the building. Yeah. We don't even see like anything happen. We just see Tom Selk eat yeah. a hot we're dog. Just, we're just seeing what Aubrey just said. And, and, oh, like, okay. I'm sorry. Time. Yeah, I said that. <laughs> hey, again, you got, the, you know. the nanometer of goldfish brain that is happening <laughs> right. here. And so, so really, oh, Tim, just say things to us like, what did I just say to you? And see if either of us can win. It'll be like the worst Jeopardy. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's go. Worst Jeopardy ever. <laughs> So Magnum tells the guys, boys, I, I gotta, I gotta check this. It's a case. I have to help Higgins. Right. I gotta, I can't do this Maui shit. Yeah. So he returns to Higgins and he's like, Hey, did that detective come in? I, I saw him uh, confront uh, Amy. And he's like, no, dear boy. He's not, he hasn't been here yet. And he's like, um, Oh, did you hear the Ferrari was found abandoned? And of course, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, 
uh, Magnum is like, is the Ferrari okay? Like, he doesn't give a shit about right. anything. He's just like, is that Ferrari all right? But, of course, everyone's panicking now because clearly Magnum was there, saw something happen, and they're like, did you get the uh, the license plate on the car? Did you get anything? Did you stri- try said, to no, stop? No, my hot dog was in the way. I didn't see my it. My hot dog was yeah. in the way. My favorite excuse. Murray's always asking me, did you get that episode up? No, I'm sorry. My hot dog was in the way. <laughs> yeah, you do that a lot. <laughs> so Magnum's like, don't worry. I got some connections in the police station. I'll go check. We're it out. seeing Pamela's frustration level with Magnum go from like. Well, she's our, a Karen. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, she's a full Helen. Yeah. Uh, oh, on our show, word. it's Helen's. Yeah, it's Helen's. So she's already at five out of 10 on the Helen scale. And right. she's just slowly going up the, the charts here. Right. So he goes, okay, I got a question for Jack. Browning, is this a regular character? Because I don't remember seeing him on the episodes we've done with you. You know, I don't remember. But I mean, uh, I think the last episode we did was like four seasons ago or three seasons yeah. ago. So. It's entirely possible that this is someone who has appeared, you know, a couple seasons ago, clearly has it out for Magnum in the worst irrational possible way. Like, I mean, we can get into it later on in the episodes, but his just sort of deep in like most of the time, the, the police guys just think Magnum's a joke or a nuisance or just a pain in the ass. But this guy is obviously like, Magnum is a menace. We need to do something about him. I cannot wait for him to trip up so I can throw him in prison, which makes me laugh because I think I did look up a body count for Magnum. He's like killed dozens of people over the course of the series. Mm. Like just a like a strewn Hawaii with corpses. And yet they're like, Ah, this will be the time. It's like, you know what, guys? If you haven't busted him for murder or manslaughter by now, you just aren't going to, okay? Just let him do, you know, he's the rifleman of Hawaii. Just let him kill people. You know why? You know by this point, he's just going to kill the bad guys. He's not going to kill the good guys. And just let him do his business. Let him mop up crime, okay? Just let him take care of it. In all the other killings, they didn't find a tiger's cap. That's why. <laughs> no, oh no spoilers. God. No, but I was going to ask. I was going to ask Jack if it feels like they are setting Magnum's like difficulty levels high. It's almost like you're playing a video game at a difficult level. So of course the captain doesn't like him, and of course he has trouble. Yeah. But now listening to what Jack just said, now I'm thinking, oh, he's got a reputation. I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just looked it up. Um, it looks like over the course of the series, he killed. Are you? kidding me 66 people okay it's not quite rifleman numbers but that's that's a lot of dead bodies that's like john wick i'm looking up serial killer body counts here standing his ground yeah please look up serial killer counts i do believe there was a throwaway line here where magnum does say to him oh you made captain yes Yeah. yeah So it's like, okay, so apparently he's recently ascended, and it just so happens he's taken this case. Right. And that's he, bad news for Magnum. Yeah, he's like, of course, I don't want you anywhere around this case, Magnum. I got to take a call. Right. So, of course, Magnum <laughs> sneaks into his office. Yeah, because the guy's taking the call out in the... the, the, uh, the bullpen or whatever. Yeah, the yeah. bullpen, the cubicle fields. Yeah. <laughs> where there, of course, is a prostitute. 
Of course. You, how are you going to know you're in a police station if there's not a prostitute? In the <laughs> yeah. It's like a woman in a tube top that's leopard print. It was, it, it's, she's either a prostitute or a Tina Turner impersonator because yeah. she had the <laughs> Tina Turner wig on. She did have a Tina Turner wig. And so he, he immediately, Magnum goes to Griffin. He's just going through the files, reading um, evidence. He sees Amy's purse. There's a reason why. Griffin... I just think he's going through the purse to find, and he does find some drugs. He's just yeah. looking you know, for some pills. There's a good reason yeah. why my name has riff right into it because I griff through shit. Right. All right. And he's he's griffin and he finds some uh, medication. And I don't know anything. I I, I until like a couple minutes later, I had no idea what this medication was for. I started she was getting high off it, but right, difolene. Difolene. You know it? what? All the kids nowadays, the millennials, love this shit. Is it is it a big TikTok challenge? Oh uh, yeah, it's a big TikTok challenge. What they do, it's like the chili powder challenge or the cinnamon challenge, where you crush it into a powder and you do a spoonful, and it's supposed to make you vomit. Oh, yeah, I'm sure a spoonful of asthma oh, medication no. would really help. Clear <laughs> <laughs> like those lungs up. <laughs> That so, wouldn't be a TikTok challenge, though. It'd be stupid. So like he, just in the nick of time, he gets the shit put away again well, as Browning walks he in. He sees the light go off on the phone call for the desk oh, out oh, in yeah. the bullpen, and he's like, oh, shit. Hangs up the phone, and then pretends he's going through it Columbo-style, finds the Chinese food in there. He's like, oh, yeah, I just saw that you left these spare ribs in here. No, he, he's pretending he's on the phone, and he's like, oh, I was just talking to so-and-so. Yeah. And he's like, you're full of shit, Magnum. If you knew, if you did, you would know that that was because uh, he claims that he was talking to Higgins and they couldn't figure out where somebody was. And they're like, well, if you were calling home, you would have known that Pam just called in that his sister is mi- her sister Joan. Joan, is yes, is it was that was Joan Pam's sister? I didn't know that. That's how I understood. Uh, it. I I'm know. I'm still cloudy on that. I'm, I'm That's not how sure. I understood it. So we get back at home, and Magnum goes, I get it. You guys are just doing a PR stunt for your book. This is it, – it's just my, – I'm, my, my detective skills are tingling. I know this is what it is. Oh, yeah. He oh, – God, he knows when the fuck – And it's like, and like, tell me a little bit more about this mysterious PI friend you have. Right. And Higgins like, dear boy, just go to Maui. Get the because Higgins is, wants to get laid. He's got all these older ladies at his place, and he's just like, get. And he know he sees the competition. It's fucking Magnum, right? So he's like, go to Maui, right? All right. Uh, I believe. Guys, this- seen? Have you guys seen Autofocus? No, uh, no. You really should, because that's what I think is Higgins. He's bringing these ladies over, tempting them with Magnum. Magnum's not available, but it's like I'm here. <laughs> it gets them all horned up, and then mm-hmm. they're, like, they're like, "Shit, I have to get off." So, yeah, Higgins leans into his strengths. That's the thing. You know, he knows he can't compete in Magnum's realm under you know certain circumstances. So instead, he just relies on his his charm, his erudition, his ability to pair wine with food, uh, yeah. his snappy formal dress, yes, yeah, uh, his cheek. karate, and uh, you know. He's got two cool dogs that can do tricks. That's right, the Dobermans, which do not make an appearance in this episode. No, Aww. no, I'm I, this or the next one, and I ha, I wonder if like one of the guest stars was like I'm allergic to dogs or something. Yeah, like, Angela Langsbury. At the time, pet actors were on strike. It was a big thing. Oh <laughs> shit! This was during the pet. Oh yeah, yeah of ruined a, a lot pet of strike of 1986. Ruined a lot of great shows. So I believe we have our first commercial break or third commercial break. However, commercials work, and we come back to a Magnum. He's got to think about 
retracing his steps. Yes. If you go to the last place you saw the woman, which is that office building. Or he was hungry for another hot dog. I don't know. So he uh, he talks to a uh, man named Houston. It, it, okay, is this? I'm I'm hazy on the facts on the, about the we'll show. Work them out, Murray. We got is Houston. Two here to help is he us. a publisher? What is what is his connection to all this? I think he's just a businessman. I, I, okay. I, Random businessman. He's yeah. he's got too much money and okay. cocaine to not just be a businessman, right? Well, he, well, we'll learn how what a successful businessman he is later on. But, uh, I'm willing to put into the fact that maybe he's just a hacker. So, so Magnum's No, like, the 80s, yeah, the 80s, I, I, yeah, again, I want to hear you guys take on this. The, the 80s seem to have a bizarre obsession with getting wealth. Magnum wants to get wealthy, but also actually wealthy people who want to develop condos are evil? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, Arthur Houston is just accepted to be evil right away because he's a rich, successful businessman. But TC is also a well-to-do, successful businessman. So. He, you know, TC is an up-and-coming businessman. We mm-hmm. know he's a scrappy entrepreneur. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Small business owner. We know he's yeah, a small business owner. Yeah. He is a he's small a mom-and-pop kind of guy. Exactly. We, he's the small business that everybody actually wants, not the one that we're always sold on. Oh, yeah, the small business that are actually shell companies for the big companies. Yeah. That's what Houston represents, and I'm sorry to spoil yes. that. <laughs> you clearly see, from the moment we introduce the Houston, all Magnum is trying to do is ask some questions. I'm just trying to ask you questions, sir. Right. He's going full fucking just like question mode interviewer. Well, Houston says, and this is this comes up – Surprisingly, in a lot of our copying of feel episodes, the recording of phone conversations. Why? What is going on in the seventies and eighties? Is that a good way to get laid back in the day? Like, oh With yeah, blackmail people. I recorded this vi- yeah. this audio call to us because well, well, no just, one uh, sent email or text right. message. I mean, none of that existed, so you had to like have some record of professional correspondence. So you right. Know. Someone phones in, you just record the okay, phone call, yeah. and someone transcribes it. You know, you guys are living these ephemeral lives until audio recording comes around. Even photos were hard <laughs> okay. to come by. You it's like you, so much. you had to develop the films, and someone else had to develop them for them. But now yeah. it's like I can record your your voice into my phone when we're having a conversation. Yeah, I get it. So Ball he's game. like, I don't know what you're talking about. I never met this Amy character. She doesn't work here. Then Magnum gets a call from his doctor at this office. This was interesting. Yeah. This was That's interesting. What ha- and, and they let it go through. He's like, oh, you need to talk to your, your doctor. Is, is, there, is there a Mr. Magnum here? This like, is a yeah. Ferris Bueller level of like subterfuge that's happening here. Because it's just like, wait, what the fuck is happening? And the character is just like like think about when anybody that you don't know calls you you just say hello and they say something weird and you go yeah fuck off <laughs> and back in the 80s you guys were just like oh yeah you're looking for yeah. magnum hey this is your magnum yeah. okay here well, especially because he he meets with houston for only a few minutes so did he tell the doctor like hi it's possible i'm going to be at any one of these like five different addresses yes. here's five different phone numbers so whenever this information comes through, which could take you know minutes, hours, days, perhaps, uh, just all around this catalog of places until you find me. This is just television scrunching reality oh, yeah. for time. It's- and the fact that all the art, all the writers are these old dudes who they learned about this stuff from listening to old radio drama. So there's like a running joke in Alan Ladd's Box Thirteen where he's like. You'll find me at the so-and-so opera house. And his secretary's like, okay, boss. 
And yeah, that's, that is just how it was done. And I think they just kind of copy and paste that idea. You can reach me at my club. Yeah. Yeah. That's gotta be what's All right. And he's like, Hey Magnum, I scoured every pharmacy in Hawaii. And that, uh, that, what was that called? Di, di, filling, filling? Uh, Dipholine. It's an asthma. Yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. yeah Dipholine. Yeah. It's, it's only, it was got, uh, they got a refill at this one particular one. That's it. We looked up all the pharmaceuticals. We did a total time cop. Totally, like, there's something malfeasance going on here. I don't know. It's just yeah. like, how many laws? How many laws did they break? Right. We <laughs> ordered a Freedom of Information Act and a FAFSA or whatever it's called. Yeah, but it didn't us, exist in 1986. Well, <laughs> we got to figure out some way to make a plot hole here because it's got to happen. <laughs> Got to move this so along. So Magnum goes to the pharmacy, stops to get an ice cream cone, as you would. <laughs> as you yeah. would. And I got to say, as a big vanilla ice cream fan, or a twist cone, give me a twist cone. I'll take that. Okay. But, man, I got to say, having a mustache most of the year. That's rough, yeah. Having ice cream like mustache. Shaven. Oh, yeah, I know. You You get it. You're <laughs> yeah. just clean. You're enjoying right. that ice cream. You're <laughs> deep-throating it. You're going all the time. I can't do that. I got to, like, stick my tongue out nine yeah, I inches. Know. Yeah, I, I can't grow facial hair. Just, that's why I don't like it. Because yeah, you have, have a certain skill set when you've got facial hair and you eat ice cream. Yes, awesome. remember when Monica Lewinsky claimed that she never messed up her lipstick because she always delivered the food directly to her tongue? Is that something that happened in that? I, I guess Apparently, it's a geisha skill, I have heard, uh, through certain sources. The exactly. To- they give them really soft tofu, and they eat the soft tofu. There's, yeah. We were just talking about this on our, our, our Time uh, Cop, Cop episode. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen when you come, all right? It can go flying out, you know? So that could be that's an amazing skill if they Are can do that. you talking about jizzing again? Yes. <laughs> You know, sometimes it's just, you know, like a fire hose. Sometimes you just dribble it out, you know. So I, well, we I, haven't I mean, brought up we haven't brought up the S fetish yet. So I mean, we <laughs> we, we can bring up jizz all we want. <laughs> we haven't discussed the certain seafood. Uh, oh, there's both oh, disappointment yeah, yeah. and anticipation yeah, yeah. in everything we do here. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying I think Tom Selleck might have a certain set of skills that involve don't messing up his mustache. So, just, yeah, well, you know, exactly you know. right. <laughs> I mean, obviously, from your notes, Abra, you're a big fan of the Nut Huggers. <laughs> I mean, were you into? Because it's like this became a sex symbol in '80s movies. Watching a woman enjoy ice cream was this like a give back for you? Were you enjoying Tom Selleck enjoying a, a nice vanilla soft serve? Boy, Griff, are you proposing the existence of a female gaze? You know what? I they say it's a myth, but I'm asking if it's a real thing. Yes. <laughs> there, are, there are many scenes that are that are clearly set up, especially when we get into the murder she wrote end of 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 things. That, yeah. Well, by Tuesday we'll be getting to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, okay, so he while he's at getting that enjoying that ice cream, he notices the creep from earlier. Right. But of course, he's not noticing. Yes. For us. Right. And so he finds out where, totally like improper. The guy's like, "Oh yeah, this this uh, medication it went to this woman at this, at this motel." Yeah, she left her the motel address. I can't even remember where I'm at here, and she remembered her motel address and everything. Right. Bullshit. So he realizes he's got to, uh, you know, uh, get this guy off his lead. So he goes to door three. Right. 
and he just knocked. Well, we got to point out, as uh, Aubrey pointed out, skillful driver holding an ice cream cone while shifting gears and driving. No shit. That's right. Yeah. That was a manual. Yeah. Oh, man. And I swear on the last episode, or maybe the the, the lost episode, there was another ice cream eating Ferrari scene. I, that might be a thing. So they it's show entirely up, possible. Right. So they mm. show up at the hotel, the motel. Yeah. And he go. He knows he's being followed. He see, and it was the worst tailing job. He literally just parks across the street under a bush. He's or some driving shit. a blue convertible. It stands out. Well, it was too. like it was like a, a like a Firebird or something. Yeah, it was. Right. It was yeah. a car that stands out. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just watching. And so Magnum's like, okay, well, I'm going to go to another room, not the room I want to go he, to. He goes to room three instead. Right. And he, like, jiggles at the door or something, and then he goes around back. He gets in his car and leaves. That's right. Yeah. And then the guy goes, okay, that's the room of the person. So he drives in. Of course, Magnum knows this. Yes. So he, like, picks the lock. He had snuck around back. Well, no, I'm talking about, you're talking about yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah, the creep. He yeah. he kicks the lock, walks in, Magnum's had a gun right to his head. Like, Give doing, me a reason to kill you. I was you. doing everything I could to sell the fact that Magnum <laughs> snuck in the yes. yes, and he lets us know. He's like, you ever try the bathroom window? That's what yeah, I do. That's what I do. And so they have a confrontation, and just Magnum's going to like, question him. Yeah. And then the, the true occupant of the room shows up. Right. With a bag full of groceries? Who goes gets a bag full of groceries for a motel? Well, it's a motel. Yeah, you can cook Immediately hits him in the back of the head with it, too. But love this random character. Magnum P.I. may be the first ever main character with main character syndrome, where he assumes he's in charge of his fate, and then all of a sudden a random small dude goes, that's my room, and hits him with groceries. I don't know you! And it, I love this. <laughs> Thank you for the King of the Hill uh, <laughs> drop there. Aaron will love it. My sister. <laughs> so there's a shootout. The poor occupant almost gets killed. The poor occupant almost gets <laughs> fucking killed. So we learned that this character, okay, I'll just give it away because audio podcast. This is a character we'll know as Mayfield. Yes. And so Mayfield gets out his gun and starts firing back, almost fucking kills the occupant of the room, but manages to get away as, you know, Magnum gets out his gun and tries to return fire. And right. it's like, oh, I should probably stop. Because well, Magnum my- loses his gun because he has to knock on the door to get it back. He oh. dropped it. Yeah. yeah. And the guy holds he's- it out like he's holding a piece of shit. He's just like, here, take this. Yeah. He's emasculated like five times already in this episode. I love it. I love it. It's just like, you know, it's. You don't see this in these like shows where the hero like you know gets emasculated. It it works really well. That's why I love Columbo so much because it's like he lets people talk down to yeah. him. Like Seagal would never <laughs> do this. Yeah, like no fucking way. Like I love a hero where it's like a coil, and every time somebody compresses him, compresses him, compresses him, you just know that force is going to be tenfold when he springs out, and I love it. And that's what we get out of Magnum here. So, so he goes to room three, the real room, or the where, well, he runs out, yeah, to see his uh, shooter Mayfield as he escapes, and he gets the license plate. Okay, then he goes to the right room, Amy's room. She answers the door. She tries to play dumb. She's like, oh, "I don't know," and he's like, "Look, you got to come back to the uh, the estate with us. They're worried about you. Why are you in a motel?" As they're driving, we get the thing. Yes, if she is asthma, and that's where we learn all this bullshit. Right. And she's and, like, I have no idea who that guy was. Right. And, of course, he's like, I mean, 
who do you think this Mayfield guy is? Well, he might be a higher detective trying to get to me. I don't, I don't fucking know. Right, because did she reveal that she's left her husband at this point, or is that later? I believe it's later. She's okay. being very yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's her character is just basically the red herring. She, she, she serves no purpose but that. So they get back to the estate. Pam is super excited to see them. Mags is just like, "Hip, there you go. This is what a private investigator does." I, she got lost. I found her. Pat me on the back. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I'm sure you still want to. You still want to wait for that friend of yours. That's such a great private investigator." Yeah, uh, I'm sure he's a great private investigator. Private investigator. Did I say that right? That sounds wrong. It yeah, sounds sexual. Right. Well, if you're investigating someone's private, it's yeah, private investigator. Hey, thank you. Uh, <laughs> But this is when we get that beautiful moment. She. She. Very much an arrested belt moment. Her? Right. They're like, you don't get that joke. No, I don't. I didn't watch that show. Yeah. But she's, yeah, he's like, a woman can't be a private investigator. That is ridiculous. And this is where we, now the crossover finally happens. What did we, like 30 minutes, 35 minutes into the episode? Yes. 12 minutes. No, we, I never, <laughs> three oh. hours into the podcast, I know. Yes. <laughs> and it's Jessica Fletcher from Murder, She Wrote. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. She's By the way, funny because at one point, Higgins even refers to this person. I, I, again, I don't think Higgins knows who it is, but he's like, I think he calls him like a pillar of the intelligence community yes. or something like that. Yes. They play her up. They can't just say like, yeah, it's a mystery writer friend of mine who's really good at solving crime. It's like, the, oh, oh you, yeah, I'm bringing in a special invent. No, you're not. Well, you got one of you writes yeah. mystery novels. Like you have to, you so to understand, absurd. Jack. He's trying to wind up uh, yeah. uh, Magnum because he knows this bothers him. So he's like, oh, so you think he knows who's showing up? Well, no, I, he doesn't. He's does surprised. Oh, no. well, he's, he's, he's just trying to wind him he's up. He's still just trying. Yeah, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, we don't. Yes, winding up the audience uh, because they're going to have the audacious idea that women can do these jobs and that this new era of, you know, and I, and again, I want to hear uh, your guys' notes on this, that the, the PI era is is fading. Cities are being gentrified. We can have TV shows just for old people that I spent too much of my childhood watching. <laughs> so it's telling the audience, look who's here, the new era. I fucking hate this because as a man, <laughs> what this is telling me is that this is another job. I live in fucking Magnum PI life. I don't pay rent. I live on Master Robin's estate. You got to do that's true. Yeah. I I'm constantly You're wearing water, aren't you? I'm a squatter. <laughs> I wear my Detroit Tigers hat. I'm a big Tigers yeah. fan. You, a big you have a mustache fan. most of the time. Mustache most of the time. Of yeah. course, it's winter here. It's very cold, yeah. so I grow the beard because I need to keep warm. I keep my house cold because energy costs are through the roof. Uh, Did your girlfriend leave you like a little? You know, tape recorder and like some, you know, like energy Actually, components. It's interesting. You really should. That. You need to talk to her about this. This needs to become a ritual between the two. I think you. I think it's funny you say talk to her because actually the only way we communicate with each other is through tape recordings. We never talk to each other. <laughs> You're never in the same room together. That was the original oh, texting conversations. Yeah, we're in the same recording. room. It's just we don't talk to each other. We yeah, use right. uh, sign language and right. hand communication. Right. Uh, but yeah, when but we can talk. We just do it through recordings. Um, this is... 
something. <laughs> Jessica shows up. Jessica shows up. By the way, couldn't be nicer. She's always like, she's just like, I'm just going to, I have some theories, but if you want to take care of it, Magnum totally pissed off. Like, uh, who the fuck is this? Yeah. How, a woman, an, an older woman at that. Right. Because he even understands, he knows who, Je- wait, uh, oh, bro, I'm going to need help here. Jessica, Jessica Fletcher. something. Fletcher. Jessica Fletcher. JB Fletcher, right? Is that her author? Yes, yes. JB. Very yeah. good. Thank you. Fuck. <laughs> give give Griff a give Griff a doggy treat. Oh my god, I didn't realize I needed such ad- like uh, uh, acknowledgement for validation. Yeah. Validation in my life. I, I'm gonna go to bed. <laughs> it's over. Okay. He's putting later. a little cap on. All right, so he's like, they're like, wait, women can write books too? Like, we're, being, we're everyone's mind's getting blown in this scene. We're just like, holy shit, women can solve crimes, they can write books. And Jessica's totally cool about it, totally nice. She's like, I don't want to, I'm just here to help a friend. I don't, you know, it's not a big deal. And then Higgins walks in doing a little gardening, and he's like, oh my God, is that the. <laughs> and yeah, he's a totally starstruck. He's in the it, he's in the fog right there. Right, oh, oh my god, he's walked into the fog. Lost, lost. He's in the soil, is what he's looking he is. at her feet, seeing if she, you can see the toes. He's just totally enraptured. <laughs> Why are you trying to bury him even further? He does wear heels <laughs> everywhere, by the way. I didn't see Je- Jessica's fog is legendary. There are very few in Cabot Cove who haven't fallen to her charm. Oh, no, it's her fault right? that the movie John Carpenter's The Fog happened. That was a downwind <laughs> of Jessica Fletcher. Oh, they had to I rewrite know. it because it's too sexy. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, of course, Higgins is embarrassed because he's been working out on the... He does everything on this fucking compound. What the fuck? Well, he gets the live, he's the Martha gardening. Stewart lifestyle. It's because you're not retired, Tim. You don't understand. Once people <laughs> retire... Okay. Time and space have no meaning. They have to do menial shit like work in a garden. So, like, <laughs> hey. this man used to slice, like, German throats, you know, for a living. And now he's stuck on this Hawaiian estate. So, for him, it's Thank like, you, I'm going to garden. You, I'm going to dig up some hydrangeas or some shit. He just, he spent his life taking life away. And now he's figuring out how to give life. How to give it. Exactly. He's planning things. He's making sure to give him the correct soil content and everything, uh, atmosphere, uh, all that shit. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. I love it. Okay. And the this is this is fucking swamp thing level shit because he's working with symbodiums, and of course Jessica notices that by the soil content <laughs> on his dirty apron. So ridiculous. <laughs> Combination was a, of was it ash in a certain type of soil or something? Did I write it down? As a but note? she's flexing a little because you. T- I know she was a little insulted by how rude Magnum was to her, so she's gonna flex a little, guys. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was some kind of volcanic ash soil mixed in with something else. Yeah. You know, something that works well, keeps in the moisture. Because of course we're working with tropical climate and the hot sun and everything, so you <laughs> need to be able to keep a good moisture level and everything. And also, you know, it's. Symbodiums are a type of orchids. That's why I bring you back to Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing was huge on orchids, but of course, <laughs> yeah. swamp orchids, which sure. is not a tropical. Climate. Very underrated episode. Swamp Thing, check it out. And please do, because Ray Ray Wise Wise is in that. Okay. Ray Wise is a back to the episode. Oh, we're done talking about plants. Yes, we're done. <laughs> Magnum throws a hissy fit. He's like, "You're bringing a 
fucking author of mystery novels to solve a case when you got me? Fuck all you. And then Jessica, totally the nicest, sweetest lady. She's just like, Pam, maybe you should have this professional do it. You know, I'll hear, I'll be here to support you in a private chat. Because right. again, she's a professional. She's not going to do this all out in the air. She's like, right. let's she's, go ahead and have a one on one. Yeah. You know? And very controlled, whereas Magnum's flying off the handle. She's very right. controlled. Right, because uh, he's threatened. He's like, uh, uh, women can do my job now? Because like, he, he's barely hanging on, you know. So yeah. Once again, uh, the man proves to be the more hysterical of the two, despite what society will normally say. We'll get a good wrap-up from Jack and his feelings about this whole episode when we're all set here before we close out this episode, but we'll continue. <laughs> okay. Because I need to know how Jack feels about, like, Magnum, where he is, where Fletcher works into all this by all the right. end of the episode. So Higgins comes in and goes, uh, lunch is on, ladies. You know, he's just, he's all, he's immaculate again. He's got his... his... Yeah, he put on a full fucking suit for this. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. He's just like, oh my god. He's like, fuck Joan, Pam, and uh, what's-her-face. Right. It's JB. And Jessica's coming out. She's curtsying. Of course we'll <laughs> join you. But uh, we do need Magnum to join us. And oh, you see Higgins' no. face. It turns to shit again. He's Not been again. working with manure, and now his face is manure. And then we get this. I got a pop out of this. This was a hilarious fucking scene. Because, it was amazing. Yeah, it Would was anybody a... else like to do this scene for us? <laughs> yeah. um, I guess, I guess Jack? No, okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm ready to um, do it. All right, go go ahead. Right. Go ahead yeah, so we are at a resplendent luncheon that no one eats any of the food. Uh, we've got lobster tails and salad and wine and a table for four, very classy with a beautiful place setting. And they pan over and, and um, Thomas Magnum is at like a kitty table. He's right. at like a folding dinner table, you know, like one of those. Yeah. Great table, TV tray. Yeah, uh, it was great. It's, I loved that. Oh god, and it was just the funniest. That's the that's the only way Higgins can cock block Magnums. He's like, well, I'm he's sitting also in like one of those like wicker chairs. It's yeah. so awkward. Oh my god, I can only it's just once again. It, it's Higgins turning the knife and twisting it whenever he gets the opportunity. It's like you're seven seasons in, just just guys, just suck each other's dicks and make up. Like just it's just tension. Come on! Yes. Well, come, how often does Higgins get laid? And he's got all these fine older women, and he's just he like... He should be clapping oh, ass on the I, regular. Reels. I never thought about that. But yeah, you're right, Jack. First of all, he should be clapping ass throughout. <laughs> because this is an old person destination, too. I'm not leaving America. I can go to the beaches. There might be an, you know, a meth yeah, problem. Very cheap but place to live, by the way, if you're, you're on a budget. Hawaii. Oh, really? Hawaii's super fucking expensive. They had to import everything. Oh, I thought you said yeah. it was very cheap. I was joking. I was being that was a joke? Don't. <laughs> yeah. so, Tim, I... cruel. Griffey doesn't do sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <that's laughs> yeah. Really? Uh-huh. It goes over my head. Oh, uh, but I, I, I just also love this because it's not like they get Barb and then it just, they just kind of stew on it until the next buildup. They don't get their immediate, like, you know, comeuppance right away. It takes a while. And I like that it stews. So Jessica can obviously see the tension all around. And she, like, she's, she just walks into this, all this hostility toward her for some reason. So she wants to defuse the situation. Yeah. So she's just like, well, 
uh, uh, Pam, why don't you hire this nice Mr. This private private investigator, Mr. Magnum, to do this case? And then she's like, "Ask, do you have? Are you? Do you have any leads or anything?" And like, Magnum's being a little b- bitch about it. It's like, "Well, I do, but I don't know if I could tell you." Right. And then, so then Joan just happens to walk in. Yeah, we get some Magnum sass, and then Joan walks right. in, wearing the same outfit she was wearing when she tried to proposition Magnum, which is just like uh, some kind it's of like a one piece bathing suit, and, like, and yeah, yeah, some yeah. kind of like robe over it or whatever, with some diaphanous uh, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So she's so, got a big stain in it now, but um, oh, she did. <laughs> she doesn't know the geisha trick. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Okay. Walks but you like that no one at lunch worried that Joan was missing, and then she walks in. It's like, oh right, Joan was missing. Well, well I, mean, I think Joan—that's the caramo. She like it's, she disappears at night. You know, yeah. she just goes catting about. Right. She's, she's a fucking adult woman. She can do what she wants. She's a check-in right. with Pam. <laughs> You can't be worried what all say? the time. You have to still live your life. And when you get presented. She just, she's a widow. Like I said, hot to trot. She's ready to fucking go. Exactly. You got to accept that she just might be out there fucking. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, of course, everyone's going to be like, yeah, sure, whatever. She might just be fucking. So she walks in with a guy named Jason Bryan. And this is a total nobody. And this is, yeah. I don't, I don't like this. This is definitely that guy is such a drip too. Oh my yes. God. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Please. Fuck Higgins. All yeah, right. Come on. So we all know something's up and that she's playing this guy. She's, she's trying to get something out of him. And Pam and is not like, that. Oh my Joan, I'm worried sick. Where have you been? We called the police. And Joan's like, I was, like I said, I'm a grown woman. I was just, I'm fucking, you know? I, yeah, no, I'm just a turn, return on my own urgent matters. Like, I've been in these clothes since yesterday. <laughs> I doubt it. Ooh, See, this is how you know that her and Pam are, in fact, siblings because okay. they barb at each other okay. constantly. Pam yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, the tone is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, because Pam... For whatever reason, she's been too. She's got her nose in the books or whatever. She's not out there fucking. Joan, however, is out there slaying dick. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. She's getting whatever fucking pocket monster she wants. She's going okay. full ass catch them. Okay. She's unzipping flies and getting Charizards. <laughs> do I need to go on? No. Do we? Not? I would. Oh, no is that a Bulbasaur? I mean, you in your can. You happy to <laughs> see no me? No idea what you're talking about. We're old. <laughs> You want to see me? Technically, we're older oh, than the old people up. in this episode. Can you believe that? We're older than the people that are the old people in this episode. I if, feel kind of insulted by if that. If you get me going, I'll squirtle. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So. All right. All right. Yes. Always. Jessica always diffusing the situation, always trying to relieve the tension. She's just like, look, we've hired this nice man. He's like, Pam, hire this nice man, Magnum. Pam totally dismisses. Oh, yeah, you can be the muscle. You can mop up when we finish up this this case. Yeah. Magnum furious, as he should be. So he gets up. <laughs> he carefully puts away his folding table in front of him. That's he live main lobster meal. he's got. I thought he just had a, main. He had a bowl full of like Cheerios. I thought they gave him <laughs> <laughs> He's just feeding him. He's... he's got like a grilled cheese sandwich with the, the, with the, <laughs> the cross cut cross off. Cut off. Yeah. Mac and cheese with ketchup. That would be, that would have been, that would have been so great. And then Magnum's like eating it. He's still pissed off, but he's still eating that, that Mac, you know. So, all right, so he's pissed off. He gets up. He's like, how dare you say I'm just muscle? I have a brain. I'm a private investigator. 
he does make a good point that like someone did literally try and kill him earlier. Like he was in a gunfight. And and Higgins is immediately like, oh, just calm down, Magnum. Like like they just dismiss and infantilize him. And there's this constant push pull between like, yeah. no, we don't want you to have anything to do with this, but how dare you not get the license plate number of that speeding, you know, Camaro or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, you know, and he's finally done. He's like, what? Either you want me to be on this case or you don't. Like, and <laughs> again, to Magnum's doofy schlubbiness, he like flails his arms about and knocks over a bottle of wine. It's oh, completely man. emasculates his own uh, little tirade there. Yeah, really. His ego is a little is going a little out of control here because he wants to be the badass in the room and everybody is emasculating him. And it just so happens he notices that a shadowy gun is coming in through the window. Silhouette of a hand holding a gun. Yep. We see a shot go through, but just so happens that you know, uh, Magnum yelled out to everybody to duck and cover, and they duck and cover and avoid getting murdered by a bullet. Right. And then we see a car rushing off, and it looks very much like that Trans Am that Mayfield was driving. Mm. So Magnum immediately gets to work. He's on the case. He's not just muscle. Right. And he calls in a he he calls in a, a rental a car rental place and finds gets the info because he, he gives the license plate up and we yep. find out is it was rented to a Paul Mayfield. If you're like an assassin, wouldn't you be using like fake names and whatnot? Anything, yeah, not anything. your own name, but no, he's that guess how confident Paul Mayfield is, right? So and Magnum's like this guy has to be a professional assassin. Doesn't yeah, and <laughs> Higgins is immediately like, well, it's got to be me. I mean, right? I mean, I have a very dark past. Right, ladies? Did you hear I have a dark past? Yeah. I'm very <laughs> mysterious and brooding. Yeah, you're doing a good job pointing this out for a podcast audience, but every scene that Higgins is trying to play it up to his own dark past, he's only talking to the audience of Jessica Fletcher and the other women near him. Right. Yeah. He's never yeah. talking to anybody else, not the camera, not uh, Magnum. It's always to the ladies. I have a very well, but, dark past. Early, early on, when he first pulls up with the women and before any of the rest of this, he get, uh, uh, Magnum does make kind of like a throwaway comment about how, like, oh, well, how do you know it was, you know, the women? What if they were coming after you? So, like, I feel like Magnum inadvertently plants the seed in Higgins' oh, mind. Yeah, yeah. That, like, and he's like, you're right, it could be me. Well, you know, when he I was serving in Tangiers with MI6, you know, in 1963. Yeah, it's like, and then Higgins' ego just takes off and he starts flaunting it for the ladies. Yeah, he never realized his potential as a cock tease until Magnum put it into his head. And he's like, oh my God, Magnum's cock is in my head. I'm going to tease these fucking old ladies. I don't think it's called a cock tease if you're a man, unless you're doing it to another man. Yeah, I'll wave my cock at these three elderly <laughs> women and Jessica Fletcher. So he's four. just like, Magnum, I think I should take over the case. It's clearly me. And Magnum's like, no, I'm handling this. Did we point out Jessica Walters' character, Joan, at this time is 40? And she's considered an old woman in this episode? She's, she's 45. Yeah. Well, 45. Okay. Then, yeah, that's old. That's <laughs> that's 80s old. Matronly. Yeah. So it's, it's basically 75. I'm going to date a woman three years younger than me, Griff. Please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. 
<laughs> so, so we learned that Pam and that everybody was going to stay at the Royal Hawaiian. And so uh, then we get a call from Rick because Mag, he's like, Magnum, where's that 10K we need? For we, need our, we need our comic relief. So right. Rick has to, of course, break that for And us. Magnum's like, I could use this to my advantage because I know that Rick has these under-rule sources, especially a character by the name of Ice Pick. Was, is Ice Pick a regular guy, Jack? Yeah, it takes him a couple of seasons to show up, but then he does. Yeah, okay. I think it's like maybe after like season two or three, um, Ice Pick's just like the top mobster, you know, on the island. Like, eh, there's... You know, a few others earlier on, um, but yeah, he, and it's funny, they always seem to meet him in, like, a sauna, and so they've all got to, like, and, and of course, Ice Pick's, like, this little old man with, like, a little, like, sunken-in chest and, you know, a receding hairline who's, you know, just hanging out in the sauna and, you know, ordering people to get murdered, stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. So, Ice Mag- Pick is just the guy they call. So Magnum's like, look, if you get you get what I need from my pick, I'm in. I'll get that ten grand. So like, okay, fine. Then Jessica barges into Magnum's room and she's like, I have some uh, my own theories on the case. I did you notice when Joan came in? She supposedly was on the beach all day, but she had no she, there was no flush no flush on her chest, she had yeah. no sunburn or anything. Right. She doesn't look like she's been out in the sun all day. And Amy, did you notice Amy's ring, that big bling she had? But the tan line was totally off. It was much larger. So we're getting a novelist view because she's not an investigator. Right. She's very uh, very Sherlock Holmes, if you will. Yeah, she yeah. really is. She's keening in on details and everything, but she's also... Magnum's all about gut feeling, gut instincts. That's yeah. his yeah. thing. I was yeah. going to ask Aubra if this is sort of <laughs> Jessica's MO. That, yeah, like you said, the Sherlockian method where you... You notice these teeny tiny infinitesimal details, which, in, in true Sherlockian fashion, could be completely coincidental. But because it's being written by someone to turn into a mystery, they are all very perfectly arranged and make complete and total sense and are absolutely the clues you need to solve the crime. Exactly, yeah. Jack. Yeah, exactly. She picks, she picks, picks, picks. She finds this little tiny thing and she's so nosy. So she'll notice someone drops something like, oh, I better go and like break into their room. <laughs> she does you know? do that, yeah. She, she repeatedly, as we, we talked about in a, another episode, she repeatedly simply has access to autopsy reports. Yes. <laughs> How did you <laughs> get these? Was this kind of like cool to see Jessica have a fun challenge because she's a fish out of water in uh, Hawaii here? Yeah, I, I, I like how they've written her. What do you think, Jack? She just bends reality to her will. I mean, it's yeah. Very clear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll get we'll get both your uh, you know synopsis of how Jessica and how Magnum are throughout this episode at the end of this episode. But still, it's 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 interesting because I ne- I didn't really think about it until just now. It's like Jessica's not in Maine anymore. You know, right. she's in a whole different place. She can't really influence people the way she does over in her home. She only knows the governor in Hawaii. That's it. Right, she only yeah. knows the governor, uh, the governor. a little too well. I mean, right. she's definitely seen his squirtle. So uh, Magnum's like, look, leave it to me. That's cute. It's cute, these little theories you come up with, but I'm the professional. Like, I don't need you. Yeah. Okay. 
So, so Magnum ventures out, and we get a nice little voiceover. He's dunking on Jessica. These fucking wannabe investigators trying to hone in on a serious occupation. Life isn't a novel mystery novel, all right? Yeah. You know? Gets a message from Rick. He's like, yeah, ice pack. If ice pit. Ice pack, always, ice pack. always about voice messages. <laughs> yes. Again, we're going into 70s, 80s tropes here. He's like, look, I'll tell you everything you want to know if you got that 10K. Back to Jessica. Jessica, she's doing her own investigation. She goes to a... Was uh, it Jason? No. Yeah, no, she's Jason in. Part. She's at the, she's still at the estate. Cause we we learned that Jessica is a master of bullet trajectory and ballistics. This is very Dexter. Yeah. Because Dexter <laughs> always had the investigation scenes. Yeah. That was the last like big fucking murder mystery I watched. <laughs> right. So she's got the red string, which we all it must always be red, by the way. Right. And Jessica's probably also a serial killer, so this makes sense. Right. <laughs> so she, she's getting the trajectory of the bullet that, she, that they were shot at. And then, uh, and then Magnum walks in, and he's like, I think Joan is the, is the real target. I don't think it's Amy. Yeah. And Higgins like, no, dear boy, it's me. Peep, I have a dangerous past. Well, why don't we just talk to Joan then? Well, Joan's over at Jason's, her new man. Fucking Christ. All right, but they're like, but Joe, there's going to be a party at Jason's. Like, Jason, uh, Jason, we've already mentioned that Jason mentioned that he throws a lot of parties for yeah. like business things. Right. And he invited them to this party. So, like, well, let's go to the party and check and out I don't what we remember how we find out this clue, but Joan has people looking for her at the hotel, the Royal Hawaiian that they were supposed to be staying in. Yeah, maybe it was Mayfield. Maybe it was Mayfield. I don't know. Maybe it was Maybelline. Okay. Okay. I think it was Amy. I think it was Amy they were looking for, but yeah. So if you have somebody looking for you, you should just go to a party. Right. Well, you're, yeah, who's going to shoot you in a bunch of of people? Uh, Everybody, Carp Diem or YOLO, you know, it doesn't matter if a murderer is after you. You're going to go to a fucking swank ass party with a pool. Yeah. It's an in ground. In ground. In ground. That's class, people. No, if people said, yeah, there's a murderer after you, would you want to go to this party with an above ground pool? No, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's not class. I'm going to the underground pool with lunchable hors d'oeuvres. Right. Insurance. I have to love how they were immediately like, yeah, the estate is not safe. It's like you've got two guard dogs. The building is huge. Just put the women in like a second or third floor room. Let Higgins play commando and like yeah. he'll be fine because clearly this guy's not going to, you know, roll in there with assault rifle or anything. He likes taking pot shots at people through, you know, windows while they're having lunch and, no, no, it's much better that they all stick together. And yeah, we go to this big party where everyone can hang out completely out in the open, totally easy to get sniped. Yeah. You know who wouldn't have done that, that assassination attempt? Arthur Bishop. Arthur Bishop no, would have no, no, no. the fuck no. away. He, he would, would have, have gotten, yeah, he would have studied them for a week. He would have worked Higgins in his right. dick lust here <laughs> because that dick is hungry like the wolf. And okay. he would have seen that. And he would have worked that into some. What what else would Arthur Bishop have done? <laughs> I don't he know. I've used it. Yeah. But hey, there's a party happening, and we got to go. So Higgins escorts Pam and Jessica to this party. Magnum, quite frankly, not dressed well enough to go to this party, no, no, so he's, he's got to lurk outside. Flowing uh, floral shirt, <laughs> right? Barely buttoned. Yeah. Got to show off that chest there. 
Jessica gets Pam alone, and she's like, what is going on here? There's got to be something going on. Is there a hit on you? What? Tell me. Higgins is going over the, the theory with Magnum about, you know, this, the, about uh, Joan. Magnum thinks Joan is, is the, is the uh, target. Yeah, th- this sounds right, right? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm trying because to... Because yeah. we, well, we yeah. learned okay. that Joan's husband, uh, who recently died, ran this huge operation, this corporation. There's, right. there's all there's this wealthy state at stake that people are, are wanting to uh to uh acquire her, yes. her business. So the threats have to be at Joan. Mayfield has to be the hitman and he followed them to Amy's. Higgins is like, I don't know this I mean it, it tracks, but I don't know. How about this? We'll stay here for thirty minutes if Mayfield shows up. Well yeah, if Mayfield does show up, we'll give him thirty minutes. Because if he's a hitman, he'll immediately try to kill her. Right. So that's that's the plan. They're gonna give him thirty minutes to murder a person. It's like it's like a Domino's pizza, you know, it's either, you know, thirty <laughs> minutes to get the pizza, thirty minutes to kill it. Detroit he, he, he should be. He's the domino assassin. That's what he's known he's as. He's the Always domino. Always 30 minutes or less or your money back. That's right. Assassinations. That's how we got the job. So Je- back to Jessica and Pam. She reveals that she has evidence that the publisher was embezzling a bunch of money, and she thinks that's why she's the target. And she and Jessica's like, well, why don't we just go to New York and go to the police about this shit? Uh, I can't go to the police. They might help me. Right. I don't. Does anyone remember what was her excuse to not go to the police? She's just scared for her life, I guess. Yeah, she's just scared. It's it's weak. Yeah. Okay. So Mayfield <laughs> shows up. Lo and behold, Mayfield shows up. The plan works. Yeah. Like he shows up. He was invited to this party, and it just so happens he's. I not think well. even Jason like greets him. He's like, "Hey, Mayfield." Yeah. No, Jason was happy to see him. He's like, "I hey, think oh, they kind of intimate that Mayfield is an assassin, but he it's like." His side hustle, almost. He's a gentleman. He's, he's, he's well, yes. something like that. That like people know who he is, like, and he's just this sort of guy who moves through certain circles. But like, if you know, no, if like you're someone like Ice Pick, then you know that this guy occasionally does contract kills. He dabbles. He dabbles. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. you've, you've right. got a friend. You've got a friend who owns a truck, and they help you move. But he just has a gun. Yeah, everybody needs a friend like He's that. Not, he must be out of Angel Town, where there's very few guns to go around, yes. besides it being a huge gang population. Okay, so uh, Mayfield arrives. He's greeted. Jessica is like, "Let's leave." Tells Higgins, "Like we're gonna leave." Joan finally pops up, right? Just as uh, Jess is explaining to her that me and Pam are gonna get out of here. We're gonna go back to New York. Tell the police and everything. So Higgins is like, what the fuck? Okay, yeah, go ahead. Get out of here. And Joan shows up. And so they're like, you need to keep an eye on Joan. And Joan's like, what are you talking about keep an eye on me? I'm just here getting fucked. I'm fucking all these dudes. (laughs) I'm in the prime. Nothing subtle about it. She's just like, (laughs) I'm fucking straight fucking. I'm in the prime of my puss. And I'm out here getting it plugged. Hot flashes are coming any day now, so I got to get work. I'm not fucking around, all right? I'm on the pill, and I'm ready for a plug-in. God, wow. <laughs> the party are just is flying out to that. run a train over. Oh, my God. Look, oh, I, oh, I, my God. Jack, Jack, if you ever need help with a woman character, <laughs> yeah. just let me know. I, I'll tap you in. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have dated three of them throughout my 35 years. Uh, you know, I know them. I know how they talk. <laughs> know how they think. They're like parmesan. Especially older women. You got the mind of it. Like, you got that the down pat. Hey, the voice I, of an older woman. You I got told it down. you the story back when I was a uh, fucking cable man, essentially. <laughs> and the woman wanted to get on to me. And she was giving me Xanax and everything. <laughs> Yeah, that's, a, that's a story for another episode. That is going to steal your oh, kidney. We we she might have. <laughs> that was a story. Maybe in part two we'll get to yeah, that yeah. story. If you guys really are, maybe if you guys remember, I'll treat you to that old <laughs> nut cluster. Okay. <laughs> story to the dying day. <laughs> All right, where were we? So, blah, blah, blah. blah. Uh, Magnum is watching Mayfield. Keeping an eye on him because he is a hitman after all. He uh, he's, he explains to uh, Pam his theory about Mayfield, and he used Amy to get to Joan. Right, and they're watching him through like the glass window inside and everything, and so right. they're just monitoring Mayfield's movements. Right, they're like looking through a French door. So yeah, like, yeah, they're, not, they're totally not camouflaged. Like, at all. they think he's an assassin, but they're making sure to put them in the worst possible place to stop him if he tries to murder somebody. And he, and he does a little uh, dig at Jessica again. That's what makes me a PI and you a novelist, Jessica. Mm, so many digs. Did this hurt, Aubra? To hear Magnum just <laughs> fucking setting hooks in your girl. Yeah, did it, I, I, did I it hurt it. Jack because he's a novelist as well. <laughs> oh wow! I, no, I kept thinking of like yeah that idea of jujitsu where you're using you know their weaknesses as your strength and you're letting them make a fool of themselves. And a huge part of Jessica, she just and this is something women have to deal with and older people have to deal with is you just let them talk and let them talk and just work through their bullshit and then she just hits them with oh right I'm smart and cunning bam 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 you know and gets them in the end. <laughs> Jack, so, so yeah, it's like keep keep talking, Twink. <laughs> keep running your mouth. Jack, were you offended as a novelist by that little dig? <laughs> no, because she's just a novelist. Oh my god. <laughs> that, it's what I so like I, I've Ooh. seen more recently, uh, I'll I'll roll back to it again, the Nathan Fillion show Castle, where he's just a mystery writer, but he's got the intuition of like an entire detective police force and is always the one who's like, oh, but what if the murderer did it like this? What if the murderer did it like that? It's just total conviction. We're, we're just idiots who happen to have overactive imaginations and large collections of reference material. That's all we are. And so that's the thing is that Magnum has no reference of this murder she wrote lifestyle that Jessica lives. So yeah, in his opinion, he's like, you write mystery novels for a living. What do you know about actual detective work? All your stories just come together perfectly because you wrote them that way. So I don't blame him. I mean, sure, there's sexism and condescension here. But in his mind, he has no idea that this woman solves more crimes than fucking NYPD. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily blame... He's being an asshole about it. Right. But he's basically like, leave the work to the professionals. Uh, You know, the people who actually solve crimes for a living. As a, you know, he has no concept of the... 
I just you know, I feel ten like ten times like, more perceptive than he is. I don't even know if it's sex. I mean, no, I sexism think, is in there, but it's not the main. It's thing. just like 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 we, we said earlier, and it, it's a common theme throughout these episodes. He this is all he has. Yeah, is his private. Yeah. Invest- he's like, yeah. a, and he knows like he's a loser. Okay, yeah, exactly. So yeah. this is his one thing he's good at. And yeah. then somebody yeah, falls back on the in. private eye versus private investigator thing. Right. He's, yes. He's always very tender about people slighting him for his right. skill set, which again, like we're now seven seasons in. This guy not only has the highest body count of any investigatory person in Hawaii, <laughs> but yeah, like he basically does the job of Hawaii PD or whatever the fuck you'd call it. Um and yeah, everyone's like, yeah, you're a bomb. You're an idiot. Like, you have no concept of what you do. Certainly Higgins, it, like, the back and forth between him and Higgins. I do admit that Higgins at one point in this episode is sort of like, you know, Magnum can occasionally be useful. Like, he tries to throw him, like, a bone now and then, especially in talking to Pamela. Like, he does have some, some experience with this sort of thing. But it's like, Dude, we're we're a hundred and twenty some odd episodes into this. The like yeah. constantly sh- snubbing Magnum and his skill set is it, it's a little tiresome by this point. So yeah, it, it, his tenderness over this and I don't know, it, it's it's complex. It's well, look, Jessica is a a better person than we are because Very she just so. lets she's the insult go by. East Coast small lifestyle, that New England on. lifestyle. Yeah. She's like. I'm going to let that pass, you know. Guess what? You know what? I'm going to call the police. You keep an eye on Mayfield. Well, you know, uh, Magnum did instruct her to call the police, and she even lets that go. She's like, I understand the gravity of this situation. (laughs) I am going to take it seriously. I'm going to dismiss you fucking throwing your barbs at me. I'm going to do everything here. Yeah, she's nothing but class throughout both these episodes. She takes this... Just takes it and it's like okay. And I think that will work into the final grade that our guests have here on you know their favorite characters throughout this episode. All right. So lo and behold, he's he's going for a gun, Mayfield. Yes. And then uh, Magnum chases after him. Is he going? Is he, is, who's he going to shoot? He, is, is this, are he, they all together? Like we don't know who he's aiming for. I right? don't think we knew who he. I thought. I know no, we see. I, Mayfield. I think it's still a little yeah, ambiguous. Yeah. yeah. So we see like Jessica, Joan, and Pam together, and he's going for his gun. Mag calls out, "Hey, guy's got a gun." Yeah. And then there's a there's like nice chase scene because like Mayfield takes off. Yeah. They're like in like the backyard or some shit, and they're like they stay like Magnum hides behind a wall, and there's and then uh. What's his face? Shoots at him, right? Does Mayfield, Mayfield. shoot? Because I forget. Yeah. Cause a, okay, because there's like some confusion later on. Magnum shoots back at him mm-hmm. twice, and then he kills him. He shoots the guy, and they find the dead body. Okay, I mean, I don't want to give any spoilers from next week's episode, but I swear it looks like he gets shot in the chest. That's all. Yes, you blood. see blood. Yeah, but it's like a little teeny like. So are you saying size. you would know because they they say it was a forty five that killed him right later we learned yeah. it later so would that be powerful enough to go through a, a torso of a man oh absolutely especially oh. if you're shooting forty five hardball like full metal jacket yeah it'll punch right through a human body without a lot of trouble um, well actually and it's more comp you know 
this is a fuck up on their part. And I'm not really giving much away here. Uh, in the next episode, the police chief says that the bullet, quote, splatters on the victim's spine so they can't do a good ballistic analysis. And yet, when you, you're right, you see the body on the ground, you see a blood stain on his chest. So at best, the bullet gets mangled, hitting the spine, still somehow is able to blow out through the torso. Um, But you're also right that, like, they exchange multiple gunshots at each other. Um, Well, we can save it for the next episode. But yeah, it's very clumsily handled the way the police concoct the story of what goes down here. All right. Now... What's left of the episode is an epilogue that I think we're going to hold off on. We're going to have to. Because yeah. It, yeah. This is, I think this was added for syndication purposes. Yes. So which yeah. wraps up the thing, because there is a part two. It is like a closure to the whole two-part episode. And it actually confused me, because I, I thought the episode was like wrapped up. So I'm like, oh, the next episode, they're going to go yeah. to Maine. That's I, what I thought. I tried so hard to make sure I got these episodes <laughs> in the correct order for this ending to be like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Did I fuck up? But then again, yeah, anyways. Uh, what we do learn, we do need to talk about one thing Magnum learns, and we can all talk about what Magnum learns here, is that Ma- uh, Higgins calls him out for going in on a bad investment, and he's like, that's just what friends fucking do. Because Higgins calls him out on his land real estate deal with TC and Rick. Yeah. Right. Well, that's in the end, yeah. Yeah, I, I know. Were, I thought but... we were holding off on that. Who cares about it? But we need to talk about it just because this is Magnum's personality. Well, we could just wait until the end of the next episode. Thank God. I was worried this was a condo pitch this whole time and Griff was going to ask me for $10,000. Well, Well, we do have a timeshare. We would like to talk to you. (laughs) This is how we do. We we wear you guys out with these episodes so you're just malleable. We keep you on the mic. And then the business opportunities. (laughs) What do you you why do you we're think so exhausted and punch drunk from it. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who do I Venmo? Exactly. Yeah, Jack and I are like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah, you haven't heard from Stuart because he's living on our fucking uh, timeshare <laughs> in uh, uh, one of those great states, North Dakota. North Dakota, yeah. He's up there living his best life, paying us $45,000 a month. Oh, my God. Tim, is this how you're building the fight island? Just yeah, one of yeah. the I'm losing all my money from Griff's gambling addiction, for fuck's sake. This is shoot. I'm doing really good right now. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a system. Don't worry the about Washington it. The Washington Generals are definitely going to win this game. <laughs> They're due. They're, They're due. due. 35 years without yeah. a win? No, they win once. They won one time. Oh, okay. <laughs> so before we wrap up, because guess, guess what? This is the end of the first episode. Right. We need to get our temperature gauge, and so we need to start with... Abra, because this is not the Magna, or this is the Magnum episode. So we need to hear the guest guest on this episode. Abra, how do you feel about Jessica Fletcher in this episode? How do you feel about Magnum in this episode? Um, I, I feel Jessica's really well written. I don't know how much, yeah, how much cross pollination the various TV writers had, but I think they do a really good job of making her the center of the universe who is always playing in God mode and can get access to anything she wants and everyone wants to have sex with her. I, I love her in this episode. She's a little formal, which always surprised me, but because they tend to write her as like a very, like Tim is alluding to, a very classy lady. Um, okay. Magnum in this, just he just feels whiny. Mm-hmm. 
and very sexy. I'm actually having a really hard time when he's on screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jack, just remember this because you'll get to rebuttal at the end of the next episode here. Very whiny. Um, now, now I do also need to... sexy. Whiny yeah. and sexy. Okay. I do need to ask over real quick here. Mm. Does Jessica ever get sexy on Murder She Writes episode? Wrote. Murder She Wrote episode. I don't know writes. why I try to whatever I did with that. Uh, does Jessica ever get sexy, or is this the first time she's seen as a figure that Higgins wants to fuck? Yeah, she she's constantly hit on. They'll give an older gentleman, which is really nice because they'll actually give these older actors who are you know, kind of from the golden era jobs. And they're just like constantly, oh, oh God, what's that guy's name uh, from airport or airplane? It's always like Jessica Fletcher. Yeah, they're like just tongues are hanging out. Yeah, exactly. Like these, oh, I can't remember his name. Oh, very, very gay. Oh, Rock San Francisco up. International, San Francisco International. Uh, yeah, they're just like constantly hitting on her. And, and I'm pretty sure she and the chief are are regularly boning the tom bosley guy yeah oh my god i hope not i hope she's not fucking ginty is all i got to say (laughs) (laughs) all right so guys johnson van johnson was just like drooling over her yeah did we do did we give Jack his moment yet? I, I thought Jack was getting his moment at the end of the next episode. No, no, yeah. Jack gets his moment at the, oh. no, Jack gets his moment in this episode, too, to talk about how okay. Magnum did. No, it's just Very that generous. So it's going to go the opposite way. So how was Magnum in this episode? How did you feel about Jessica in this episode? I, I think uh, what I liked is, and I'm trying not to give away spoilers for part two, that Magnum yeah, is, he's a very gut instinct. He's very action oriented. Um, I think my notes, I referred to him as very James Bondian, where he's, there's a movie, was it, was it Die Another Day, where M refers to him as an agent provocateur. Magnum is like that. Magnum likes to just sort of like show up, be like, what's going on? Stir things up, break into places, get into fights with people. Uh, he's not the one to notice that. Oh, like that the the shadow of the ring on the finger. Like he doesn't do that. That that's yeah. totally not his style. He is not a Sherlock Holmes kind of detective. He plays with his gut. He you know digs around he breaks into places he looks up contacts you know uh very instinctual very emotional kind of uh process so i think it's good and they again like we said they play to his uh feelings of insecurity of uh, that people dismiss him and again we have to remember we're seven seasons we're 120 yeah. I, I think there's like 126 and people are still snubbing him. People are still like, you're just a listless bum. What do you have to offer? And it's like, well, the highest <laughs> body count on the island. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's it, it's classic Magnum. That when, you know, the hammer drops, he gets it done. But he's, infall- he's fallible. Uh, he's emotional. He makes mistakes. Uh, you know, it's just that when push comes to shove, 
he's the guy who sprints after the bad guy. He runs towards the gunfire, you know? Um, so it's, it's perfect for him. I think it's spot on. This is not them kind of trying to twist his character around to serve the needs of the crossover. I think it's perfect. All right. Murray, any last words before I send us out? Uh, I'm just pulling my catheter out. Uh, yeah, please, everybody pull your catheters out yeah. now. We're going to go ahead and give you the uh, just relief here. We're going to go ahead and pick this up next week because guess what? This is a two-part episode, and we've got these two guests for another nine hours. Yes. So uh, Star-studded crossover. Star-studded, yeah. The stars only align for so many hours, so we have to work while the iron's hot. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the phrase. Yeah, right? that's the phrase. Not at all how constellations work, but nice trigraphy. Thank you. I may be crossing metaphors, but you know what? My brain works this on is, the level. This like is that. what this episode is about: crossing over. That's right, crossing over. <laughs> oh, let's wrap it up, <laughs> All right, everybody. Guess what? You can tune in. Next week? Next Sunday. Next Sunday, you can hear the second part, the conclusion of this beautiful tippy tap in between. Magnum on ice. Magnum on ice. And you know what? Your your fucking ears and brains will not be on ice in that time. You'll be thinking about how this episode concludes. Where does Magnum go from here? Because guess what? I'm going to go ahead and tease y'all. Magnum's going to fucking jail. And until next (laughs) week, I'm listening.